everyone, your host Ria here. Welcome back to Foreign Policy in 5 Minutes, your source of brief analysis and updates on the most pressing international issues. Today's episode, we'll talk about the evolving role of social media in politics and the call for universal regulation of it. How many social media platforms do you use in your daily life? From Facebook, Twitter, to communication services like WhatsApp and WeChat. It's fair to say that even before the pandemic, social media has long become this platform where you can get the latest news, talk to our friends, and get into debate with strangers all in one place. As much as social media has changed the way we conduct our daily lives and interactions, it has also revolutionized politics. In 2007, Obama started his presidential campaign through a tweet on a platform that was only one year old at that time. Ten years from that, America welcomed their Twitter president, Donald Trump, who is now permanently suspended from said platform. How do we get here, and just how big is social media's influence on our political lives? During the 2009 Moldova civil unrest and the Arab Spring of 2010 to 2011, Social media such as Facebook and Twitter were initially credited as space for the oppressed people to raise their voices, organize, and eventually topple their autocratic governments. In countries where the flow of information is tightly controlled by the government, social media also helps spread candid news from inside of the area to a much wider audience. Outside of conflicts, social media is also used to aid in campaigns. For candidates, Social media is a place where they can easily rally supporters without going through all the hassles of mainstream media like TV and printed news. But, with social media's free and easy access, there are also risks of widespread false information, misinterpretations that led to persecutions, and bilateral quarrels all waiting to occur just a click away. Former US President Trump and his endless streams of controversial tweets is a notable example. His tweets often promote hate speech, racism, and bigotry directed to the general public and sometimes to contest other leaders, such as Iranian President Rouhani and North Korean leader Kim Jong-un. His tweet calling Kim Jong-un rocket man almost escalated into a direct conflict between Washington and Pyongyang, and him live-tweeting about important policy decisions on his timeline often causes more harm than good for the American foreign policy. On his last days as the US president, Trump was finally suspended from Twitter due to the risk of future incitement of violence. The decision was made after the capital riot that was done by Trump supporters, who are fueled by his last two tweets in their attempt to overthrow the results of the presidential elections. The response was mixed. Civil rights leaders in the US and international observers who have long criticized Twitter and other platforms for allowing the spread of hate speech welcomed this decision. The Trump camp argued that Twitter has gone further and further in banning free speech, and oppositions of Trump felt that the restriction came a little bit too late. In India, another debate recently arises. Twitter and the ruling party, the BJP, are now under a dispute over bans of more than 200 accounts that had used the hashtag linked to the ongoing farmers' protests that are deemed offensive by the Modi government. India currently hosts the third largest number of Twitter users in the world, making it an important market for the social media giant. 
for a long time, there's this delicate balancing and push and pull between the Modi government's ever-increasing censorship demands and Twitter's will to oblige due to their commercial interests. In a time where the world has become even more aware of the effects of social media and security, both domestic and international, and as individuals and groups, calls to regulate social media and the internet became even louder. But, on the other hand, tighter regulation gets problematic in the face of freedom of speech and government sovereignty. So, are common international guidelines regulating social media conceivable? According to international laws, states are allowed to exercise their jurisdiction in the territorial principle. Their internet, however, is an intangible territory beyond the fiscal borders of nations, and there is no international agreement to regulate that yet. Variations of censorship laws across countries are yet to cover the vast problem that social media brings. Questions on states' jurisdictions, the scope of contents that are considered abusive and problematic, when or whether the social media companies can be held accountable for their users' contents, guidelines for content or user removals, and the geographical scope of such actions are yet to be answered. These problems are very much intertwined with the sovereignty of each state, which means an international agreement that touches upon all issues and is considered acceptable to all is downright unrealistic. But it does not diminish the need for a set of international guidelines that incorporates input from nation-states, social media companies, internet experts, and civil societies that represent users' rights and voices. The question is, will we see any notable improvements in the near future? That's it for today's episode. If you like our series, don't forget to share and follow us at Foreign Policy Talks. If you have any questions to be answered, please don't be shy to reach out to us so we can cover them in our future episodes. Stay curious, stay healthy, and see you at our other episodes.